Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Levi Good from Good Company Restaurants coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Fluff Bake Bar, Rebecca Masson. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Living the dream, Eric. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. Houston scores four James Beard Award finalist nominations. I will recite them briefly. We have two nominees for the first ever Best Chef Texas Award. They are Anita Jaisinghani of Pondicherry and Trong Nguyen of Crawfish and Noodles. Anvil is a finalist for Outstanding Bar Program. And Chris Shepard is a nominee for Best American Cookbook for Eat Like a Local. I am so happy Anvil finally, I mean, aren't they like Susan Lucci of the semifinalists? Yeah, I think they have maybe been a finalist once or twice, but it has been a it has been a tough road um, yeah. to this point for Anvil. And I was looking at the finalists, and I had only heard of one of the other bars, which I will admit I am not an expert when it comes to high-profile national bars. But I feel like I feel like they may finally have a shot. They may have finally paid their dues long enough uh, to kick yeah, down the door on sure. this one. I mean, I, I was so happy to see them finally make that, that cut. Because it's like every year we see them in the semifinalists. So I'm, you know, props to them for getting that nomination. Yeah, it's really hard for Houstonians to kind of break through from semifinalist to finalist, as we saw, right? Uh, you know, Tracy Vaught was nominated for Outstanding Restaurateur. Justin yeah. Yu was nominated for Outstanding Chef. Caitlin Steets at, uh, at T-Rex was nominated for Rising Star Chef. Both Squabble and The Blind Goat were nominated for Best New Restaurant. It's like none of them made it through. No, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I mean, Texas is big and there's a lot of comp- competition, but I think the positive side of it is with us having our own category, the likelihood that those people make it to that point in the future is pretty high. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. I, I mean, I just think that we, Especially you know, Caitlin. compared to the, well, yeah, I, I don't know. Caitlin has until she turns 30, so I don't know. I don't know how much longer she has. But I mean, she's certainly, I mean, it's a funny sort of thing, right? Because she's certainly worthy of the recognition, but it's just like, so is everybody else, right? Right. They are. But, you know, at the same time, you know, you, you kind of want to see someone who's rose up in the ranks of where she's working and gone on. I mean, you know, it's it's a huge thing when Justin Yu says, OK, this is your restaurant. I trust you to to do it. You know that that it's props to her. So. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Would you uh, would you care to make a prediction about whether either of the Houston nominees will earn Best Chef Texas? It's the it's the first time we've ever had a, a Best yeah. Chef Texas award. You know, I mean, I hate to go against Houston, but. I, I'm like I can never say Michael's last name correctly, so I'm not even going to attempt. But Michael at Olame, yes, I it, it I think it's a pretty tight run between him and Kevin Fink. 
See, I wonder about Steve McHugh at Cured in San Antonio because he is kind of the, he's kind of taken over Hugo Ortega's place as the chef who keeps becoming a finalist and not winning. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think about that. You I know, didn't even Hugo, think about that. I think Hugo, it took him like six tries to win uh, Best Chef Southwest. And I think Steve McHugh is probably on that, you know, four or five, maybe six years between Best Chef Southwest and now Best Chef Texas. So uh, there is this kind of log jam. Uh, between Kevin Fink from Emmer and Rye, Michael from Olamai, and Steve McHugh that kind of rolled over from Best Chef Southwest to Best Chef Texas. That's true. But yeah. on the other hand, if the Beard Committee wanted to kind of make a, a political statement about mm-hmm. the new Texas or changing people's perceptions of Texas, then you know our, our local nominees, who are both immigrants... Neither Pondicherry, which is, you know, casual, very affordable, uh, or Crawfish and Noodle are really the kind of restaurants that historically have won James Beer Awards. That's true, so they, yeah. So they would be kind of making a statement about, you know, these are the restaurants, th- these are the new restaurants that, that are worthy. And I had this other thought about Trong Nguyen, which is basically that he's the Aaron Franklin of Viet Cajun Crawfish. Right. Well, I'm gonna have to go with you on that since I can't really eat crawfish, so I feel kind of left out of this this moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stupid shellfish allergy is the worst. Yeah, but you know, but what I do they... I do read a lot about them, and you know, when when people come out of town, they ask for where to go eat crawfish, and I said everyone says go here, so go, and I'll see you later. <laughs> right. And and there, I mean, you know, it has spawned a host of that Viet Cajun style with the the butter and the garlic and everything, has spawned so many imitators, and you know, crawfish and noodle is really still the best version of it. Not that there aren't other outstanding crawfish places, and Lord knows that's a, a subject of very passionate debate. But but the crawfish and noodles kind of define that style and then sets the standard. I don't know. I just I, you know, I wonder if enough of the voters have eaten that food. To be right. sort of permitted to vote for him, but if I were, but he's gotten the right kind of media attention, right? He was in Ugly Delicious, the David Chang show on Netflix. He was in, uh, he's been on Andrews and Mern a couple of times. It's like he's got, you know, an enthusiastic endorsement from Chris Shepard. You know, Crawfish and Noodles is featured in Cook Like a Local. So I, I just, you know, I think it's a long shot. Like if I were. If I were going to put my Lance Erline hat on, I would say he's probably like 15 to 1 or maybe 18 to 1 in terms mm-hmm. of betting odds. Yeah. But I might, you know, if there were such a thing as gambling on the James Beard Awards, I might <laughs> throw a hundo on Trong Win and just try to try to cash that ticket. I'm sure somewhere there is. <laughs> there certainly should be. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, I I, mean, I don't mean to, like, be a bad Debbie Downer around Houston, but I just don't think that it's our year. Well, I mean, it hasn't been our year since Hugo won, which is now, like, three or four years ago. Has it been that long? And, and it's been a minute. Uh, and then you know, but you know the Austin guys, right? Because you know them from all these food festivals you go to. Yeah, well, I've known Michael for quite a while, um, and I, I adore him and love him, and... Olame is definitely one of my go-tos when I am in Austin, um, even if it's just sneaking in the back door with cookies so I can have some biscuits. <laughs> um, 
I've never eaten at Immer and Rye, but I do know Kevin and his team. And um, they do put out, I mean, the food that I've tasted at, at events and things like that, it's been top notch. And, I, you know, Kevin is super, super talented. So, And I've been to Cured a couple of times, and I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I wonder if that whole charcuterie pickled preserve thing is maybe getting a little bit long in the tooth from a, a concept, like a, like a buzz yeah. factor. Yeah. It was, I, yeah. it was very innovative when it opened. It is maybe a little bit dated now, but it, that doesn't make it less delicious. It just makes it seem like maybe voters will have moved on. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. But Steve is super talented and his food is really delicious. And, and, and he's, he's a, an incredibly nice guy. I was just going to say, he's so nice. So. so nice. All right. Well, let us move on to topic number two. Chris Shepard, speaking of, has revived One-Fifth Mediterranean. He had originally planned to change One-Fifth into something he called Lightning Round, where it was going to cycle through a whole bunch of different concepts. But in the present reality, that is not feasible. No. So he's bringing back OFM. Becky, let me just throw it to you. What do you think? Good move? Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, I think, wasn't that one of his more popular ones? And I think you're looking at food items that would be able to carry out really well. So, yeah, I think he's, yeah, I think it's a smart move. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think of them, you know, I mean, my affection for One-Fifth Steak, which, is, which evolved into Georgia James, notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. Of the other three, Romance Languages, Gulf Coast, or Mediterranean, it was very much my personal favorite. It's mm-hmm. also the most affordable of the three. And like you said, it travels really well and it reheats well. So I think for all of those reasons, it it makes a lot of sense. It's also, just from a culinary perspective, it was it's the one that's sort of the least like anything else we have in town. Right? There's there's like casual, you know, cafeteria style Mediterranean restaurants. I mean, Lord knows in Montrose, Aladdin is right down the street. But what Chris was doing at One Fifth Mediterranean, a little more elevated, a little more ambitious, uh, more in the style of a restaurant like Shia in New Orleans or uh, or Zahav in Philadelphia. So, you know, we just don't really have that. No, we don't. So yeah. No, I, I had think. A, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to agree. Like, I think it's a smart move, especially considering the times of what we're going through and all that. And, you know, maybe not being, I mean, you know, he, maybe he's looking at it as I'm not going to be able to open this restaurant in the manner in which it should be. Like, I'm not going to be able to operate how I should. So that may, you know, the Mediterranean cuisine makes the best sense in being able to serve as many people as he can in the takeout curbside capacity. Yeah, and I will say I had this for dinner Sunday night with my mother. We had a, a lamb shank and a beef kebab and hummus, of course, those uh, wood roasted tomatoes and the the coffee roasted beets. It, it's all just it's all delicious, you know. It just it was just so tasty, and I was so happy, especially with the the lamb shank and those tomatoes. You know, tomatoes are in season; mm-hmm. they get a little whiff of smoke from that oven. It's just it's just satisfying. You know, and it doesn't, and it's not going to like kill you because it's, it's, it's light, you know, it's like you feel good after you eat it. Would this have been your birthday dinner, Eric? 
Uh, it was sort Happy of my. Uh, <laughs> it, it was yes. Happy birthday, Eric. Happy birthday. It's your birthday. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, but yes, it was it was my it was a combined birthday slash Mother's Day dinner, and of course we we didn't get dessert from One Fifth Mediterranean because we got a cake from Fluff Bake Bar. So thank you. I know for you were that. you were one of the lucky few. Yeah, we were <laughs> we were uh, we were super happy. Yay! Well, I hope your mom had a great Mother's Day. I love Mrs. Sandler. Yes, yeah, she did. You know, she's she got to. Well, this is this is like way off topic for the for the audience, but yes, she did. So thank you for that. <laughs> All right, that's okay. Let us move on to topic number three. Speaking of Austin chefs that you are friends with, uh huh. Philip Spear and Paige Presley, both Uchi alums, have united to launch something they're calling the Foxtail Supper Club, a new meal kit service that features online tutorials, Zoom cooking classes, and more. For $150, you get a box with the ingredients for two meals made with seasonal ingredients, and then you get to watch a Zoom cooking class where Paige shows you how to put it together. So, I, Okay, so I'm confused here, because wasn't Philip, I, maybe, I just haven't read anything, but maybe wasn't Philip doing this with, um, what's the name of his place? His Omidor. Yeah, weren't they doing this already? Yes, they were. They were they were doing Commodore cook at home kits, uh, but now Paige is getting in on it too with his own menu. Okay, and, now I'm not uh, so yeah. confused. I yes. got you. Okay. So the 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 long story longer is that Paige was working on opening a restaurant he was going to call Foxtail. Mm -hmm. In the current climate, those plans are on hold. So for now, you can get some version of foxtail food, foxtail food uh, at your house. Well, that's super fancy. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Austin loves Paige, so I think he'll do really well. And Paige makes delicious food, so good on him for thinking outside of the box until he can get foxtail open. Yeah, I think the plans are to start shipping the stuff to Houston Eventually, but not mm -hmm. yet. They're still kind of getting off the ground. But yeah, I did. I did look at a menu. It did look pretty good. And of course, I think Houstonians, especially if you went to Uchi, they know both Philip Spear and Paige Presley because Philip was kind of the culinary director who was in Houston quite a bit, mm -hmm. and Paige was the uh, executive sous chef. So when uh, yeah. when the Houston location opened, so they both have kind of Houston ties. Um, and Philip's family is here too. Right. But yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I think it's great to see the creativity and the ideas that are coming out of chefs these days to figure out how to sustain themselves during this. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. No, I think it's great, which is why I included it in the show rundown. So, you know, it's just something for Houstonians. It's just something to sort of keep an eye on. But it is an interesting development. And, and I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, just like I'll have what she's having. Don Burrell is doing that pivot uh, prepared meal kit series right now. You know, I I wouldn't mind seeing more Houston chefs uh, jump on this. Like, you know, like what about someone who's not in a kitchen right now, like Lyle Bento? Like, I would I would be super interested to see what Lyle comes up with in a meal kit environment, and uh, I think he'd be super engaging in a in oh my God, a he'd be so fun class. 
Yeah. I, I would learn to cook. I would learn to cook from Lyle. <laughs> See, I, I would too. That's what I'm saying. Or like Austin Waiter just did that as part of a fundraiser for Urban Harvest, where he picked up the ingredients at the at the farmers market, and then on Mother's Day he he led a cooking class where he took people through all the steps to prepare it. And I I heard nothing but good things about that. So this is this is a trend that's kind of happening in Houston. It's happening in Austin, and and I think it is one of the things that we will see more of because there's just a certain group of people that are not ready to dine in restaurants yet. Oh, for sure, for sure. All right, Becky, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Rebecca, for our restaurants of the week, I want to know, where have you been ordering to go from recently? Uh, I finally had a pharmacy burger. Ooh, Uh, from La Lucha. Yeah, but I have to tell you, I have to preface it. I didn't actually order it. I traded it for some sourdough starter. <laughs> I, that is that is perfectly acceptable. But I way. think in this day and age, bartering is is gonna, you know, it's it's not a bad way to get things. <laughs> well, well yeah, nobody can get yeast, right? So your sourdough starter is pretty valuable. Uh, yeah. Um, I know we were selling yeast, but now I'm running low, so I stopped selling it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You're hoarding your yeast. <laughs> yeah, now I have to hoard my yeast. All um, right, how was your pharmacy burger? Oh, my God. That thing is delicious. Like, now I'm going to actually go order one because I want another one. Yeah, it, it is a gooey, really messy cheeseburger. And I mean those adjectives in the nicest possible way. For sure. You know what? It, it kind I mean... Not in the style of burger. It didn't remind me of this burger. But what reminded me of this other burger is like the grease going down your arm. And it was kind of like the very first time I ever had um, the DB burger at DB Bistro Modern in New York. And like the juice and the grease just just went down your arm. That's just part of eating the burger. And it totally reminded me of that in all the good ways. Well, yeah. And of course, the pharmacy is... The Avalon Drugstore, which is sort of now, which was the, you know, used to have a lunch counter like back in the back in the 90s and before time, but mm-hmm. is now is now Avalon Diner. And it's kind of a hybrid between the Avalon Burger and a Whataburger, but like much better because it's Bobby Matos and, you know, he's, know. A, he's a very talented chef. It's like when so, you, re- it's the like the recreation of the, is it the El Phoenix cheese enchiladas at State of Grace? Exactly. Oh, so good. All right. Yeah. Anything else? Any other recent meals to shout out? Let's see. I'm trying to think what we've had. Oh, we had, is it that new pizza? I don't know if it's new or not. In the Is it La Fresca? The pizza place in the Heights? Oh, no. I don't know. What's the name of that? It's, 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 it starts with an S. I can't remember. It was okay. Don't, I, I don't need, you know, I'm, <laughs> we ate that. It was okay. Uh, we've had some local foods. Local foods is always solid and delicious. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think what else we've had at the at the Fluff Bake Bar. We miss Matt. We miss Matt Chow and the Chow Walk deliveries. I well, can tell you that. We did get a nice note from a reader or a listener, rather. Oh, that's right. She, she heard about Chow Walk on this podcast, ordered it, and enjoyed it. So. Shout out to our listener and shout out to Chow Walk for bringing people together. I know. Good on you, Matt Chow. All right. And then uh, just a couple of my recent meals. 
I went to T-Rex uh, twice, uh, once for the Money Cap menu, and then for Justin Yu's homage to Houston's, a limited time offering that he is calling Houston's. So I had both his French dip and his take on the tempura chicken tenders, which, of course, regular sister podcasts know I was very upset when the actual Houston's took the chicken tenders off the dinner menu. And, of course, right now, Houston's, the, the servers aren't wearing masks, and so I will not eat there, right? Either, either I'm going to have to get a lot more comfortable with uh, people not wearing PPE in my presence, or it's going to be a long time before I go to Houston's, or they're going to have to relent. Uh, right. But, but so to be able to get uh, a Houston's quality French dip from Justin Yu at T-Rex in the form of the Usins pop-up menu uh, made me very happy. That's, and then, I, I, did I miss it? Can I still do it? No, you could still do it. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday, so it's running tonight. And then it's supposed to run, you know, their week runs Thursday through Monday. So I think we'll see it for at least this next week. And then that might be it, unless it's just like a huge hit. Because yeah. apparently tempura frying chicken tenders is a huge pain in the ass. Oh, I can only imagine. But uh, the yeah. reward is so good. The reward is incredible. And he's making this really, he's making this kind of sweet barbecue sauce with it. And also uh, like a slightly spicy honey mustard. That's Mm-mm. absolutely killer. All right. That's, I know what I'm having for dinner. Yeah. And then I did just want to mention a couple of those. You asked me about my birthday. So I, I celebrated on the patio at the Toasted Coconut, which reopened for service last week with you know, a daiquiri from bartender Sarah Troxel, and they're doing like a, a kind of limited menu or a very limited menu. Uh, but one of the things they're doing is set you on spiced chicken nuggets. Ooh. Right. If that's not your reaction, then we can't be friends. <laughs> if, if, if your reaction to set you on chicken nuggets isn't, I want that in my face, then there's no hope for you. This is true. Uh, and then I also had, I also had dumpling house which is this kind of new restaurant that opened up in Sawyer Yards right kind of before everything shut down. They've been a favorite at the farmer's market. They used to pop up at the Grand Price Kitchen every now and then. So I got pan-fried dumplings, which were pretty good. And then I got this Chinese barbecue pork fried rice that was absolutely killer. And Mm. they have free delivery within a a certain radius of the restaurant, which takes me to at least as far. It, It took them at least from Sawyer Yards all the way to Montrose, so... Uh, it works for me, but I would say to anyone who's sort of in a loop and kind of craving like classic Chinese comfort food, uh, this is worth checking out. Shout out to Dumpling House. Okay, I got two new things this week. I'm here for you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, all right, what's before you get out of here? What's going on at Fluff? Um, well, let's see. We just finished Mother's Day. So nothing really is on the radar. We just, we just keep operating um, Wednesday through Wednesday through Sunday, nine to three. Pro tip for everyone: we update the menu every day around three o'clock for what we're baking the next day. So if there's something you really, really, really want, we highly suggest doing a pre-order the day before. Um, I don't know. We 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 kind of just keep doing like one or two things savory on the weekends, trying to come up with something really fun because uh, May twenty third, which is a Saturday, is my birthday. So 
I need to have a social distanced birthday party at the bakery, right? You do, yes. Yeah. So I, I have think- a, when things calm down, I have an idea for a guest chef for you. Oh, I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna tease the audience with it. I'm just gonna say, Oh, you know what the hell with it. I'll just I'll do it right now. Uh Eats Gone Wild. Are you following Josh on Instagram? Mm-mm. So this is a guy who makes his own ice cream. And, of mm-hmm. course, since he makes it at home, he can't sell it to the public. But if right. you made it at your bakery in a commercial kitchen, he could. And this guy is kind of an Instagram. It's it's totally worth following. He makes all this cool, you know, locally roasted coffee ice cream with, like, chocolate-covered, you know, rich crackers and this kind of swirl and that kind of swirl. And anyway, so... I'm just putting it out there. You got to follow Eats Gone Wild on Instagram, and then you got to we got to get him in for an ice cream bake sale. Maybe an ice cream social because ice cream doesn't really do well for breakfast. See, I will eat ice cream. I, I am I, ice cream is like pizza. <laughs> I will eat it at any hour of the day. But yes, maybe maybe more of an afternoon setup. Yeah, I'm the, I, I'm not a crazy ice cream person. Am I weird? Does that make me weird? I, I mean, I just love ice cream so much in all of its forms that I'm not really an objective. I'm not really uh, capable of objectively assessing whether you're weird or not. I like the um, gelato pops that Dolce Nab does. That's how I like ice cream. Yes, those are very delicious, too. Yeah. Well, okay, we'll follow Eats Gone Wild. We'll see what we can do when the world comes back to, I don't know what it's going to, I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right. Becky, thanks for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. Next time, next time maybe we'll have something more exciting to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and, All right. Uh, th- yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say thank you and, and be well. Thank you. And, and you also be well. I will. Thanks. All right. I will be right back with Levi Gunn. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? My guest this week is Levi Good. He is the owner of Good Company Restaurants. They have a number of concepts all over the Houston area. Levi, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this. We have a lot to talk about, you know, particularly in the ways that you've kind of responded to this uh, coronavirus. But I'd, I always like to start at the beginning of people's careers. So obviously, your your father, Jim Good, started good company with good company barbecue in the seventies. When did you kind of figure out like in your life that you wanted to work uh, for the family business? Sure. Uh, Eric, I grew up in the business. It was, uh, it was kind of the after school uh, daycare program. Uh, Both my mother and father started our business in 1977. So uh, as a family, uh, just getting started in the business. um, We spent a lot of, a lot of time at our original Kirby location starting up. And uh, through the years, uh, he just he had me working at, at different locations, and and uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the camaraderie and the team spirit around uh, just the energy of being in the restaurant business. And uh, so over the years, I kind of worked my way through all of our restaurants, and and uh, then then got involved uh, from a management standpoint, and uh, you know had to had the honor of. Uh, opening several places with my father, kind of working side by side with him. And, and then ultimately uh, took over the business uh, many years ago. 
and uh, and still going. So we're, we're excited about that, even with uh, you know the, the pandemic that's uh, you know we're all faced with over the last six seven weeks. Um, it's been very difficult, but um, you know it's something that uh, we're committed and uh, and pulling through uh, the pandemic and and serving the community. So you never thought about being like a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or anything like that? No, I uh, I did not. I enjoy uh, I enjoy cooking. I enjoy working with my hands, and um, it was just something I naturally gravitated towards. You know, it was one of those things that um, I spent a lot of logged in lots of hours over many years uh, in the restaurant business and around food, and it was naturally uh, what I was interested in. And, and uh, if not for repetition and anything else, uh, I've gotten a lot of practice at it. So yeah, you've uh, I mean you you came into the business, you know, with a number of successful restaurants, you've, you've grown that quite a bit over the last maybe three to five years. I mean, you guys uh, instituted a comprehensive renovation of Armadillo Palace. You, you launched a new brand and kitchen and cantina. Um, I mean, what's some of that been like kind of growing, growing what you do? It's uh it's very rewarding, Eric. It's, um, it's fun to, to be able to, um, be in a position to, to grow our business and, uh, provide some additional opportunities for, for so many hardworking folks that uh, have been with us over so many, so many years. So I feel like uh, even a, even being that we're 43 years old, um, we're in a, a very much a, an innovative time of our brand and our company. And uh, I just, I feel great uh, being able to, to add value where I can and, and continue to, to create uh, some, some more, um, more places for people to have a good time. Yeah. So let's, I mean, you obviously had to pivot, you know, that's, that's the word that we use uh, with all this coronavirus stuff. I mean, you, uh, you closed some of your restaurants temporarily. You, uh, you added a a grocery delivery option for people. Like how did you kind of come to some of those decisions and and how do you evaluate their success? Sure. Uh, You know, when all this uh, went down and, and the city pretty much shut down, um, on, on March 18th, it's been, um, it, it's been kind of a, a survival mode for us and how we've approached this. And, um, we made a, a, a pretty, you know, w- with our size of our business, we're, we're pretty agile and, and are able to kind of shift on a dime. And, um, at, at that point, just the, the entire uncertainty around how both the local uh, state and federal uh, governments were going to deal with the pandemic, uh, it was really uh, difficult uh, for us to, to really kind of have any guidance on making um, business decisions. So uh, I took it upon myself to uh, uh, do a quick power down on our locations. Um, as a result of that, we had to, we had to uh, furlough so many, uh, so many great people that have worked with us uh, over time. Uh, we went from 10 restaurants down to four uh, and only offering uh, curbside uh, and takeout. Uh, we also do, do a little bit of delivery as well. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, we, we really um, had a tough time going down to that level of overnight, you know, reduction in, in revenue by 85% was uh, unheard of and, and a challenge like I've never experienced before. Yeah. Did you, did you have a, were people interested in that grocery offering? Because I, you know, I noticed that, you know, a lot of these restaurants that are doing that are doing like, you know, farmer's market boxes and fresh vegetables. And you, you were doing those things, but you also had like Diet Coke and M&Ms, which, 
you know, that's, that's a little more relevant to, to what I need from a grocery store, frankly. Yeah. I figure uh, everybody was binge watching uh, Netflix and Amazon video. Um, we had to give them a little something to, you know, we're trying to round out that, that cart where it was, uh, you know, provide a service that was convenient and, and easy for, for our customers to use um, and, and try to keep them out of, uh, you know, having to make a second stop. So uh, we just uh, went through the list and, and kind of put together a uh, grocery store essentials, if you will, to add on to, to what we're doing. You know, we've got a, a central uh, commissary kitchen, Eric, that um, has been the, the support arm for our restaurants. Uh, it's been our business model since the early 80s. And uh, with the, the lack of business uh, due to the shutdown, we, uh, to use one of your words, we pivoted to a, uh, to a grocery, virtual grocery market. Um, and we're doing prepared foods. We're doing uh, meal prep items such as uh, diced vegetables and whatever else you may need to uh, you know, easy up your, uh, your kitchen cooking at home. Uh, we've got lots of, uh, our, with our butcher uh, our butchery, we were able to, to hand cut steaks, make a variety of different kinds of sausages and uh, uh, so on and so forth. And, and that allows us to, uh, to sell some prepared items as well as steaks uh, to, to local, uh, our local community here. Uh, so we, we deliver too. So you order today, we deliver tomorrow. And I bet you have some steaks that he'd like too. Huh? I, I bet you do. I, I mean, I, there aren't very many steaks I don't like, to be honest with you. <laughs> So, All right. So you started to reopen. I thought one of the things you did that I, th- I think was really interesting is you first offered and then required all of your employees to get tested for COVID-19 and you, you paid for those tests. How did you, how did you decide to do that? And, and what was the response from your employees like? Yeah, I had a, a friend in the, in the healthcare industry that had, uh, just had a startup company that's a mobile concierge doctor service uh, called Hamilton Health Box. Uh, he's been open about a year now, and I've been talking to him about uh, uh, bringing him on for some additional uh, health uh, care benefits for our, our, our teams. And uh, with the COVID outbreak uh, taking place, uh, he was able to, um, to, to institute a, a testing and monitoring service for us uh, related to COVID. So, you know, we wanted to, when we opened our restaurants back, we wanted to be able to create an environment that uh, really... Um, took into account the health, safety, and sanitation of our locations, uh, the uh, staff members that serve the communities, as well as the, the community uh, has been so great with us supporting us over the, uh, you know, the last few months of uh, the COVID pandemic. So we have, uh, we mandate all of our employees get tested prior to uh, getting uh, rehired or brought on, um, as well as existing employees. Everybody's been tested. Uh, then we have an ongoing monitoring and uh, randomization testing uh, just to ensure uh, as, as much as possible the, the safety of our uh, staff as well as the community. I, I mean, did any employees object? Because in some ways I feel like it's, you know, people just want to know, right? you know, do I have this thing? I, I, I thought it might be comforting. Yeah. You know, uh, in fact, I, I got tested. We all got tested. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of look back. Uh, throughout January and February and said, man, I must have feel like maybe I had that already. Or there's other people that were, you know, you get a little flu or a little, uh, little head cold. You think you might've had the virus, but uh, you know, fortunately uh, I didn't. And uh, our, our staff has been, uh, I, I think they, uh, they really appreciate um, the efforts that we're going through as a company to ensure their safety uh, and, and keep, uh, keep everybody as safe as possible. 
I mean, so you're, you're continuing to test. Do you have a procedure if an employee tests positive, how that would affect whichever restaurant he or she works at? We, uh, we do have a, a, be a mandatory quarantine. They, they need to stay home and get well um, and, until uh, whatever. The, basically, if they have, if they're tested positive, they go into a secondary uh, Q&A uh, with uh, the doctor and his team. And uh, they further diagnose whether they need to get a, some blood work or, you know, need to, uh, to further talk to them about what their, their symptoms are. And, uh, you know, should somebody test positive, uh, we ask that they go home, paid sick leave, and, and, and get well before returning back to work. And so there's a, an additional test uh, that would need to take place once, uh, once that quarantine is, has happened. And then from a customer side, you know, how has it been reopening the restaurant? I mean, what is the, what has the reaction been like to people? Cause I, I can't quite tell how people feel about this 25% thing, whether they are sort of respecting it or if they're pushing back on it or, or kind of how that's going. Uh, you know, I think in concept, uh, it's been working well uh, in our businesses. We do have some, uh, some customers that, that wish, you know, there was more seating, uh, it's, it's tough to it's tough to operate um, for any period of time at 25 percent capacity of a dining room. Uh, our restaurants aren't designed um, and, and we don't invest in restaurants uh, to, to, to handle only a 25 percent occupancy. All that said, uh, I mean, we, we respect the, the, the uh, guidelines that are in place and, and are taking uh, extreme efforts to ensure that uh, everybody stays safe and is practicing uh, all the guidelines that uh, the CDC has a place for us. Yeah. Cause I could just see someone walking into, you know, kitchen and cantina, which is a pretty spacious place and seeing all those empty tables and just being mad that they can't, can't sit down and get some queso or a margarita. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're hoping, uh, we're hoping on the 18th when the governor comes out with his new press conference that uh, numbers show uh, some progress in, in the right direction and, and uh, hopefully get to 50% uh, in the near future. Yeah. And then, you know, one of your places, Armadillo Palace is basically a, a concert venue to a certain extent. And it, it sort of requires, you know, a normal kind of response. I mean, do you, do you have a sense of when you'll be able to, to use it in that way again? You know, we're actually talking to artists now. We're looking to uh, bring back a concert um, in some form or fashion uh, here in the, in the near future. We're hoping to open the doors on Armadillo uh, in the upcoming weeks, um, where we'll have a work on the menu as we speak as well. We're going to uh, simplify the menu some, and we're going to look to try to get uh, back to normal as, as much as uh, as much as we're allowed to and, and still practice uh, safe distancing measures. You know, at Armadillo, it's got such a uh, such a vast space um, that you know, we're able to, to still practice social distancing measures, but, you know, um, be able to feed a few folks as well and, and entertain them. So we're looking forward to that in the near future. So then are, are all of your restaurants other than Armadillo reopened now? So we've uh, currently, we're not open at Armadillo. We're open for takeout and curbside only at our seafood restaurant on West Park. Uh, and then barbecue on 290 and barbecue in the Woodlands are not open uh, at this time either. So we're kind of kind of did the first pass of getting uh, seven of our restaurants up and up and going, and uh, quickly uh, uh, regrouping to to get the other ones open just as, as soon as it makes sense to. 
Yeah, so you don't have a specific timeline for when you expect the, the other two barbecues to? Not at this time. Armadillo is kind of our next uh, our, our next target. We want to get that going. Uh, hopefully, uh, if all goes well, we're, we're shooting to get that open uh, maybe in time for Memorial Weekend. Let people have another other place to, to come uh, enjoy some of the weather. Can you look to the future? I mean, I, I suspect that that Kitchen and Cantina brand is is kind of ripe for for growth. I mean, if I think about some of the other Tex-Mex concepts around town, it seems like if you you pick a freeway, you go, you know, 15 miles out, you'll, you'll find a location. Are you able to sort of think about that or, or, or has this, uh, has this virus kind of put those, any plans you might've had on hold? No, we're, um, you know, we were looking at, we had our ear to the ground prior to the pandemic uh, happening. You know, we're, we're not, um, we're looking to grow uh, more and get some more locations uh, uh, open around town. And so, uh, we're quickly getting back to, to focusing on that. Uh, you know, the team that we have uh, currently getting getting our restaurants back in check is, is uh, you know, the, I've just been super impressed with uh, what all everybody uh, has been able to accomplish in the, in the short period of time that uh, we've been um, wrestling with the pandemic. And uh, you know, we've got an all-star team, and we're looking to uh, looking to grow and, and create some more opportunities around around the city. Can I ask you kind of a philosophical question? Sure. I grew up eating at, at all of the different good company restaurants. I, I've, I've told you this before, but I, I want to say it publicly, which is, you know, everybody I think has that restaurant when they get home from a trip, right? That you stop at on the way home from the airport. And for my parents, that restaurant was always good company taqueria. You know, that's where we went. You know, the for me, it's that it's that two soft taco plate you know, uh, one beef, one chicken, hit the fixings bar, maybe a margarita, maybe a beer. I mean, you know, the good company restaurants have been so influential in Houston for so long. I mean, how do you kind of balance whatever desire you have to innovate and grow the brand with an obligation to the fact that, you know, people have been eating there for 40 plus years and they have a certain set of expectations about what you are and what you're not? Well, I can start off by saying we don't plan on being on every street corner. Um, that's that's not my goal by any means. Uh, but we are looking to uh, experience some some growth when the opportunity arises, and uh, and our team are ready to take on uh, some additional challenges uh, and opportunities. And um, you know, I, I've like, as I mentioned, I've, I've been around our brand uh, since its inception as a kid. Um, and, and, and on through my adult career. And, um, you know, our, our brand has always been based off of um, creativity and, and personal uh, expression of, of family heritage and experiences and influences and, and uh, really get a lot of enjoyment out of sharing that with the public. Um, and when you kind of look at our restaurants, even from the 70s forward, we started with our barbecue restaurant, and then we opened Taqueria, and then we opened uh, Good Company Seafood. So ever since we've uh, we've been in the business, uh, creativity and, and evolution uh, is something that uh, has been part of our brand DNA. And uh, sometimes that that moves a little slower than faster, um, but uh, it is it has and will be a continued uh, ongoing evolution of our brand and, and development of um, things that we feel. Um, people enjoy and we can 
add a little uh, happiness uh, to people's lives. We enjoy doing that um, with the way we express ourselves uh, through food, drink, and, and atmosphere. So then are there, are there other genres of restaurant that you think might be a good possibility for good company? I mean, do you want to, you want to put your spin on a steakhouse, for example, or something like that? I think, uh, you know, as long as it's under the good company, good company umbrella, I mean, we are regional Texas food, uh, authentic uh, Texas food that really is kind of stems from um, the settlers in the really the late 1800s to current. Um, and, and so a lot of that is, is interwoven into my family heritage. Uh, so steak would definitely, uh, I, I wouldn't rule out a steakhouse, uh, but typically uh, under the good company brands, it would, uh, it would stick to more regional Texas uh, flair uh, of how we, how we like to, to present what we do. Uh, so I see more things going on in the future. Uh, some of the same, of what we've done um, and, and some, uh, some new stuff coming along as well. All right. So then, you know, this may not be fair, but do you have a favorite good company restaurant? You know, kind of, I kind of bounce around um, Eric. I, um, I it, I've been eating at our restaurants for, uh, for as long as I've been open and, and uh, it really just kind of just depends. I mean, I'll, I'll have a seafood kick for a while and I'd go kitchen cantina or taqueria and I'm just, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a, a written uh, recipe, so to speak. It's, it's bouncing around. I enjoy seeing the people in uh, both sides of uh, uh, the plate from the uh, dining room to, to uh, our staff members that, that make it happen on a daily basis. And uh, it's good just getting out and bouncing around. All right. And then what is the secret to the cappuccino? Because there's not, there's a lot of seafood cocktail in this world, but there's only one good company cappuccino. We just put a lot of love into it, Eric. You know, you got to have a lot of TLC when you make that cappuccino. <laughs> Tender love and care. That 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 I assume is the secret to the pecan pie too, because you sure seem to you sure seem to ship a lot of those wooden boxes all over the place. Grandmother's recipe. She also had a lot of care in making that pie. All right. Well, Levi, good. That uh, that more or less brings me to the end of my questions. Unless there is something else you want to discuss. No, it's all good. I appreciate you thinking of me, Eric, and having me on the show. It's always a pleasure to visit with you and uh, looking forward to uh, coming out of this, uh, this crisis uh, as soon as uh, it's, it's healthy to do so. All right. Well, before I let you go, I do have to, we have to play the lightning round. This is uh, five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Levi Good, what is your favorite cookbook? Paul Prudhomme. His original cookbook, uh, I really enjoy. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Hmm. That goes way back. Uh, probably Pappy Self, Good Company Barbecue. That is a, that is a very good Texas answer. Uh, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Hmm. Whataburger number seven. Cheese and jalapenos. Excellent. What is your, uh, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Let's say, uh, I would say J.J. Watt. And then finally, when you go out for pizza, what are your go-to toppings? 
pizza's got about three different styles, in my opinion. Um, star, I'll go del- uh, deep dish Chicago. Uh, heavy on the meats, pepperoni, Italian sausage, bacon, and ham. Um, and, you know, I like, uh, I like pizza from Carabas as well. Go with the Quattro Formaggi, add pepperoni and meatballs. Um, you know, just pizza's good. Absolutely. All right, give us the uh, the website for for your restaurant so the people can uh, check in on you guys. Uh, you can find us on the World Wide Web at goodcompany.com, and that's G-O-O-D-E, companies all spelled out, all one word, dot com, good company. Levi, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Eric. Good luck to you, man. Hope to see you around soon. Thanks, man. Take care. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. We welcome your comments and reviews. Like Katie Nolan says, only if they're five stars and only if they're nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Eric, happy birthday to you, happy birthday buddy.